0: We thank you for um, just uh, just how much you love us, and uh, God, I thank you for giving us your word. Thank you, God, for giving us, um, Lord, every letter in this book that points us to you. I thank you, God, that your word is alive and and uh, God it speaks every time we open it. And Father, I just pray that you would help us this morning that God you would speak to us and God you would change us and uh, God so that we can point people to you. We love you, in Jesus. Let me pray. Amen, amen. So this morning, um. One thing that, that God's been laying on my heart is, especially in the context of relationships, is one thing that I know that kills relationships more than anything, and that's passivity. And, and, and passivity is, is just being passive, like not taking action, just kind of waiting and, and, and trying to let things happen on their own. Not really, you won't change, but you're not driven enough to make change. Y'all with me? Passive, and I want to tell you something, passivity is not only killing relationships, but it's killing the church today. It's killing the church as a whole. And so it's it's it's, it's, it's just like many relationships. And so today I know that usually when we start talking about passivity, it's like, all right, guns are blazing, men's fixing to get it today. Y'all with me? But that ain't what today's all about. So ladies, you ain't the Holy Spirit. Don't be progging your husband. Don't be looking over and say, you listening? Because I can see you, right? Y'all with me? Don't, everybody with me? Everybody good? Huh? Huh? <laughs> all right. We first started this marriage series. I thought we were going to have to break a couple up in the back. But, uh, you know, just don't do that. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 uh, this morning. We're going to start where it all began, and then we're going to kind of just break down different areas of that passivity gets in our relationships and how it affects our relationships. So when you get to Genesis chapter 3, those of you who have a Bible, shout amen. amen. All right, y'all quick. Y'all know that's in the beginning, right? Right? It's in the beginning of the Bible. All right. I still hear pages turning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God said, did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will you will." Not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleading to the eye, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Some women shout, with her. And he ate it. Then the, eyes of the, then, then, the, then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know, when I, when I read this, it all started in the beginning. When Satan comes in and he, he, he distorts God's word, he distorts the view. And because Adam was sitting on the sidelines... He enticed Eve to come and take. So we want to blame Eve for the fall, but the fall was more Adam's responsibility than it is Eve's because Adam stood there and let Eve eat it because it says he was with with her. I don't know about you, but I think that was, in my Bible, it was wrong for so long because really and seriously, until I got saved, I always thought that Eve went on her own and Adam was just hanging out. He wasn't with her. When I read it for myself, I was like, he was with her? What was wrong with that fool? Why did he let that happen? But it had been there all along. You know, I think we see here that that when they, they were together, Adam just let the conversation start. Adam just let the conversation go. They both knew the truth, right? They both knew what God had said, but Adam stayed silent. And he allowed his wife to be deceived. See, Adam knew what God had said, but yet he chose to be comfortable over being discomfortable. He chose to cave into the pressure, worried about what his wife was going to say. And some of you men are like, well, man, if that had been my wife, you you would have known why he was quiet. That was a joke? Just kidding? Just playing? Y'all lighting the mood up a little bit? Come on. We ain't in counseling. No, this is, we, we just in here in God's house. But I think that's what we've got to realize is that when we remain silent and not active, that's when Satan gets a foothold. And it gets a foothold in our relationships with other people. It gets, a fo- it gets in a foothold between our relationship with God. It's when we remain silent and we're not actively moving in the direction that God's called us to move in, it allows Satan to come in and distort our view of relationships, distort our view of what it's supposed to be like. And we are creatures of, of it's survival of the fittest. So, men, if you're not stepping up, your wife is going to step over you. Because it's her responsibility inside that I got to make sure that my family's taken care of. So if you're being a bomb, she's, she's going to just overstep you and keep on going. And then you're going to get mad because your wife is wearing the pants in your family. Well, you need to put them on. And in the same thing, the opposite direction is, is when, when men are overly aggressive, women don't feel like they have a say. They, they can't, they can't, they don't have any direction, so they lose all initiative to they even want to put any effort into the relationship. Because it's all on him. See, if we're not just leaning the see, God created Adam, then he created Eve because he knew Adam couldn't do it on his own. He needed a helper. I'm thankful for my helper, Amen. I know that I have a great helper because, man, I would mess things up without Sabrina. But here's the thing: is passivity and procrastination they go hand in hand. And I know people that are like, man, I just procrastinate. Man, that, that's not good because when we procrastinate, when we're, when we're passive, it shows a side of laziness. Laziness is when we're faced with a choice between relaxing or making an extra effort required to change the situation, and we choose to relax. We choose the easy way out. That's laziness. That's a part of passivity, right? Another part of passivity is being indecisive. Can't make a decision. Can't make a decision. You want to know what decisiveness is? You get in a vehicle with with a bunch of folks and say, where are we going to eat lunch at? Come on, nobody wants to make a decision. And you know what's crazy? All right, all right. Nobody's gonna make it. You, you pick what happens. You make a decision. I won't go there. Well, then, so you ride around for forty-five minutes, starved to death, about to ready to beat everybody in the cockles. Nobody will make a decision. That's indecisiveness. That's that's a part of being passive. Another part of being passive. I don't think we realize in our culture today is busyness. Busyness is a part of passivity because what busyness does is we have so much on our plates that we think that there's simply no time to take any kind of additional responsibility. There's no time for us to pursue anything else. And really, we're not doing things excellent. We're doing everything halfway because we're so busy. And so that's a part of passivity. Man, God slapped me in the face with that this week. Just busy. Busy. Another part of passivity is our entertainment that we have. A lot of us, we were passive because we want to be entertained instead of being engaged. So instead of coming home and spending time with our families, we just want to sit down and watch some TV. We just want to recluse and go play some video games for a little while. <laughs> we just want to go and do some things that, that, that kind of numb our mind. Entertainment is killing, killing the marriages right now. And it's constant access to entertainment. It, it, all these things, it's new technology. All these things are just keeping our mind numb and instead of really engaging. Another part of passivity is being aimless, right? We, we don't lead because we really haven't prayed for direction. We don't know where to go because we haven't made a decision of where we're going. That's why so many families don't know are really not intentional with following the Lord because they haven't made a decision as to me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Because once you make a decision that you're going to do this as a family, then then once you make that decision, then you start making plans. You can't make plans to serve God if you are not you're already made a decision to serve God. Y'all with me? But if you've made a decision to serve Jesus, husband and wife, and you're just kind of just... Doing life and Jesus is kind of like around, but he ain't in the middle. Then it's time after today that y'all make plans to how your family can be centered on the gospel. How your family can be centered. Because aimless, being aimless, being inactive, is mostly because we don't have a vision for our lives. We don't have a vision for our families. And that's a part of procrastination that Satan wants to, to keep hidden. Other thing is unbelief. That we may think that, that we're not cut out for leadership, men. One reason we're passive because we don't think we're cut out for leadership. That I can't lead. Or, or we're married to, to, to someone who is man who is amazing at leading. So we feel incompetent because of God, their gift, but their gift was used to spur you along. Amen. Not to suppress you. So we have unbelief thinking that we can't do that. And I want you to understand something. Sin is unbelief. Y'all with me? So we got to understand. The last thing that just came to my mind, I was making this list about passivity. The last one is fear. That we're afraid of the reaction of other people. That's why nobody can pick where we're going to eat when we leave church. Because you're scared you're going to make somebody mad. We're fearful of of when I make a decision, how is this going to affect this person? How is this going to affect how they're going to feel? We're simply just afraid that we're going to do, make a wrong, wrong decision and we're going to fail. But we have to understand the thing of, of what God gives us is called grace. And then we mess up, we're, we, continue, we can get up and we can follow Him anyway. Y'all with me? And I think we got to understand that we can't have, be fearful of choosing to lead our families, choosing to, to, to follow Christ, choosing to make those decisions. When we have the right heart, if someone's upset with you, then you have to communicate with them, find out what the problem is, and then move on. See, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest, I guess, wedges I find in relationships and in marriages is because one person is so passive, but they're always mad because, they, because the other person seems to always get their way. You know the other person gets their way? Because the passive person never shares their emotions. The passive person never shares where they, what they want so they're always upset, they're always bitter, they're always angry because, I don't know how many times I've heard, well, we always do what you want to do. Okay? When's the last time you've told your other, your significant other, what you wanted to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, we, 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 we fuss and we argue over petty things, but petty thing after petty thing after petty thing eventually comes to be a Mountain. We were working on a, on a job site this past week, and, and, and I rode out There's some issues with a bulldozer, and they would have some problems. And they, they started, this bulldozer started going across this gravel parking lot. And as the, as the, as the blade went down, it, one rock began to roll. And, and as it kept going, another rock began to roll, another rock began to roll. You know, it wasn't making that big a difference to begin with, but the time it made 100 feet, the bulldozer had to stop because the mountain of rocks had been pushed up so much to where it couldn't keep going. It's the same thing in our relationships, church. We let one thing go and one thing go and one thing go, and then we start getting mad because we let those one things go, and it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and if we don't sit down and deal with it, then eventually there'll be a problem so big in your relationship to where you can't get over it. Passivity kills same thing with our relationship with, with Christ. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't deal with things. We don't, we don't deal with other believers. We come to church, and, and what happens is one person hurts your feelings, not meaning to, and the next person, and something else happens the way you don't want it to and because things are about you sometimes. And if next thing you know, you've let little offense over little offense over little offense keep mounting up because you were so passive not dealing with the offenses to where five years down the road... I'm just going to go to another church because I can't handle this right now. But you know what happens at the other church? You jump back on the same bulldozer, and you're pushing up the same rocks. And it might be two years before you get tired of that because you know the problem? Because you're not dealing with the issues in you. Passivity is not about the other person as much as it is about you because you have to deal with the issues that you have. Amen? You have to deal with those things. And when you're to read God's scripture, read what happened in the beginning The the fall and and all that that happened man we could be sitting still in a garden if it hadn't been for Adam sitting back being passive that make you want to punch somebody? huh? I mean that that could have happened and so I want you to understand something that things are going to come up in our relationships but if we keep sweeping them under the rug and keep deferring them and not dealing with them it's going to get worse when you see we got to talk about issues with communication You have to communicate. Passivity rules in a home that does not communicate. They just don't communicate. You have to deal with our issues and quit ignoring them because one person just ignores them, like I said, until eventually it's it's too big and you can't move past. What I love about this text is how it really points to, to really what happens and really God's plan. See, God has one plan for leadership in the family. Y'all with me? He's got one plan. When when men are passive, the family suffers. When men are passive, the family suffers. I'm going to get off men in a minute, okay? Y'all just hang on to me. But I want you to understand that there is no plan B. Men, you've always been God's plan A, and you always be God's plan A. It is your responsibility in Scripture. God created you that way. He put stuff in you that way so that you can lead your family and lead them well. But you got to get over you and press into him so that you can let him lead through you. Amen? Because when I lead in my own ability, I jack stuff up. Because I'm going off my emotions. I'm going off how I feel, and my feelings will lead me astray in a heartbeat and I'm going to tell you, with us leading, we were created to lead. We got, I, want you to, I want you to understand that you got to step into that, though. you got to step into it. you got to actually engage. Maybe when you get home, you need to ask your wife, how can I lead our home better? If you're in a relationship with a man right now, and you're not married to him yet, and if he is passive, he, if you can't pick where you are going to eat at, it's going to be hard for him to pick where y'all going to buy a house at. Y'all with me? You got to to try to make sure that you guys are on the same page. And I want you to understand that the only way that we as men can lead courageously is for us to be submitted to Christ. Because God's Word says in Ephesians 5 that men should lead, should love their wives as Christ loves the church. Amen? And if Christ loved the church, he gave himself, he was sacrificially. Leading the church. So our leadership should not be a dictatorship, man. It shouldn't be a, a place in which I'm serving. I'm ruling in my house with an iron fist. You're going to do what I say do. You're going to have supper cooked when I get home. Come on. Amen. <laughs> you, you're going to do this. You gonna Girl, you're going to do this and do that. That, that. that don't do nothing but bring animosity. And if you're being like that, you're married to the wrong one. Because if you were married to my wife, she'd put you in the hospital. <laughs> but The thing is, we got to understand that it's your responsibility to lead, men. And I want you to, you can't lead where you don't know where you're going. So, men, it's time for you to sit down with your family, with your spouse, and say, where are we going? In the days before apps on your phone, there was a such thing called MapQuest. Y'all remember what MapQuest is about? I might be dating myself a little bit, but before MapQuest, there was something called an Atlas. Some of y'all don't even know what an Atlas is, huh? Yeah, man getting excited about an Atlas. But the thing is, you had to sit down and map out your direction before you left. And you know what most of us do now? We leave our house and we start going in the direction we think we need to go. And then when we get a little lost, we're like, hey, Type that in a GPS. That's how we're doing. A lot of us are doing our marriages. We have left the altar and set our dues, and we're going in the direction that we think we need to go, and then the moment we hit trouble, it's like, uh-oh. Well, from the beginning, we had to set a vision for our marriage and for our relationship, saying this is where we need to go. This is where God's calling us to go as a family. This is my, whoop, y'all ready? This is my job and this is your job. This is your lane, and this is my lane. See, the most issues in marriage, people get fussing and fighting because they think this one's doing it, and this one thinks that one's doing it, and ain't nobody doing it. Okay, my beach is my house. But that, that's just how it happens. And you, If you don't have a, a intentional plan, things won't happen. You'll look up 30 years from now, and you're like, Why in the world are my kids so hellacious? You know why? Because you never made a plan to disciple your children. You got to make a plan. And see, men, I'm telling you, to kill passivity, you have to serve your wife and lead your wife with servant leadership. I never understood that. But serving your wife, leading your wife, if you serve her, she's going to serve you. Men, we were made differently. And I know I might have been made a lot different. Because I can, I, can, I can work 20 hours a week. I can sleep two hours. I can get up next morning and I can do it again. I, I'm 20 hours a week, 20 hours a day, I'm sorry. 20 hours a day. I can do that when I have to do that. I can do that. Sabrina does that. The next day, it's like a wildcat got turned loose in the house. She's got to get her sleep, and she's in KK, so I can talk all I want today. But here's the thing. We were made differently. We were made to lead. We were made to do things differently. We can't expect our wives to pick up the pace because what happens is when women are doing a man's job in the relationship, she can go for a while, but eventually she gets exhausted, she gets upset, and she gets bitter. Because she's been dying. she's dying inside for you to man up and lead. Because in a woman, there is a desire. I don't care if you're married to the toughest woman in this room there is an internal desire to be led because God made her that way she won't admit it to you because her pride is probably way up here but inside deep down inside she wants her man to love her enough to have made a plan love her enough to to, to say look baby we're gonna go this way I feel like God's leading me this way that that's what her that's what she wants me we have to under, I want you to understand something. That God created you to lead, and He created her to help you. That's why God said Eve will be your helper. Are you with me? So, so for as you lead the family, she's gonna give suggestions. She's gonna help you lead, but you're the one that's driving the boat. See, I want you to give you some some things, man, of how to lead your family and lead and get out of passivity. Okay, you need to lead your family into worship. Lead your family, and I ain't talking about just church on Sunday, okay? I'm talking about leading your family into worship. What does that mean? Like, showing your family how to worship God. Showing them how to worship God. Leading them, showing them the importance of fellowship with other believers. Showing them that, that is important. But also, showing them how to cultivate their own relationship with Jesus. Leading them, showing them how. Some of the most, just I'm talking powerful times If men men that have been in my life that were almost like grandparents, hearing them pray was as powerful as hearing the thunder outside. It taught me something. It showed me something. Men, it's our responsibility to lead our family. And if you're not leading them into worship, somebody else is. If we don't step up and lead our children, somebody else will, but it might be in the direction that you didn't plan for. When we sit back and we let things happen, instead of stepping in and getting engaged, things go drastically bad. God created us to be in action. He called us to be in the fight. Amen? If Adam would have stepped up, that would have never happened. If Adam would have said, hold up now. I don't know about y'all. But, but if somebody I don't know rolls up there and starts talking to my wife, Jerry going to walk up in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. I trust my wife, but I, just, I ain't going to let somebody just come up and talk to her anyway. Right? Am I wrong with that? I, and so if, I'm, if I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in Adam's place, and I roll up there and hear Satan talking to my wife, I'm going to be like, boy, you better, know, you better know you're rolling back up a little bit. If you need to talk to my wife, how about you need to talk to me present? You need to talk to me right here, okay? There's a lot of relationships that get jacked up because people forget who they need to talk to in a relationship. And so I'm fixing to go off on a tangent, but we need to hit this right quick. There's a lot of emotional affairs that happen in the context of, of the church or in relationships because somebody is emotionally detached from their spouse so they reach out to someone of the opposite sex and next thing you know they have created this bond and then they want to leave their husband because of this emotional attachment they have with somebody from the opposite sex but they never should have started that to begin with. See, what happened in the beginning is if Adam would have stepped in and said, look here, Satan, back up, that's my wife. You might have some issues, but if you need some issues then the two of us can talk to you about your issues. But don't talk to my wife about your issues. Y'all with me? That stuff in the beginning could have got stopped if Adam would have stepped up and been a man. If he'd have stepped up and said, hold up. Hold up. I know y'all might not know that now or even could see that in my personality right now, but there was a time. There was a time. And, and sometimes that's, that, that will come back up if I'm not squishing it. But I remember we were, me and my wife, we were at a movie theater, and there was this guy in, movie. This, was, this was been a while ago, but this guy walks up, and he was drunk as he could be. And he screams out of this window at my wife. We were standing on the sidewalk, just to go in. And he said some very vulgar stuff. Now, at that time, I was 125 pounds soaking wet with two bricks in my pocket. You with me? I was as scrawny as I could be. But you could have told, you could. I was like Goliath in my mind. I was fitting to beat him, his brothers, his daddy, and if his mama got in the way, her too. I was that wound up. And Sabrina had me by the collar and she was like, stop, I just lost it. You know why? Because my love for her. See, Adam was sitting there extremely passive and allowed the enemy to come in. Men, we have to be our wives' protectors. We have to be our family's protectors. Y'all with me? we got to step in and protect them. So leading our family into worship is important. Next thing, you need to lead as a father. It's your responsibility, men. To kill that passivity streak inside of you, you have to be intentional with leading your family, leading your children. It's not your wife's job to raise the kids, okay? It's not. It's yours. Spend time with your kids, showing them, teaching them those things. I know, I know, I understand the pull because we gotta make, we gotta make money, we gotta put a job, we gotta make money, we gotta put food on the table. We've got all these pressures, and if you're not careful, if you don't have a plan for your family, your job will override your responsibility to teach your children. Every time, not meaning to, but it will. Because, when well, my wife's home. There's things that your children can learn from a daddy that they can't learn from a mama. That's why it's so important that we lead as a father. We need to lead as a husband, men. 1 Peter says this. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this. Says, verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and it's heirs with you of this gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It says, husbands, we need to lead. When we're husbands, we need to lead with love. Amen? We need to lead our lives with love. Your, your spouse should not have any reason to doubt your love for her. shouldn't have any reason to, la- to doubt your love for your kids. It's, they shouldn't have any reason to doubt your commitment to your wife as her, your bride. Lead her with love. Lead her with gentleness, being aware that, that, of her weakness, that, of her struggles. Lead her in the ways that fit her. But You can't lead her. With well, gentleness, if you don't know her. When Sabrina and I first got married, it was, and we laugh about it all the time now, but what she constantly said was, Jeremy, I am not a man. I'm like, I know that. Well, stop treating me like a man. How am I treating you like a man? You expect me to reach down and pick up the other end of this couch when you know I can't do it. Forgetting. Just slap Forgetting. I'll get engaged. I get engaged working. Those of you that have worked with me in the past, like I can get caught up in something. I get tunnel vision, and I'm like, "Hey, grab this. Hey, do that." And me and her working together, and next thing you know, she's standing with her hands on hips, and she's like, "I got to remind you." Like, "No, ma'am. I got you. You ain't a man. I'll pick that up myself." Lead them with gentleness understanding that right, the last thing is leading your wife in ministry All right, just now just, just about leading your family but you you got a special responsibility to lead your wife in the ministry help encourage her help her help her find her identity in Christ Y'all with me help her lead her in, into 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 what it means to really be a woman of God encourage her to invest in other women encourage her. To show other women what God has done in your marriage, what God has done in her life. Because God's word says in Titus that older women should invest in younger women. See, there there, there should be people that that we love each other so much that when I know that someone's struggling, I don't want to gossip about you. I want to come alongside you. Look, I know you got issues. I I know you're having a hard time. Let me share with you what God did in my relationship. And let me walk with you through this, sister. Man, we need to encourage our wives to do those things. They won't do it if they don't feel like you even believe in them. Encourage them in ministry. Encourage them to to develop those meaningful relationships. I know one of the hardest things for my wife is to have a relationship with other women because she got burned so much as as a teenager. Hanging out with girls and girls just being ruthless. I mean, if y'all don't know it or not, y'all sometimes intimidate women. Like y'all looking at me right now like you want to kill me. It's intimidating. I tell somebody all the time, hey, well now, next time we gotta preach on women, I'm gonna let you do it. Please. The thing is, that hurt her for so long to where she didn't want, she just didn't, she just didn't pursue it. It would be me and all my buddies and my wife was right there with me because she didn't want to go in the house to hang out with other women because of how they had hurt her in the past. And you know, that's scary, but that's the reality. And what I've realized is there's a lot of women like that. And I have to encourage her. All women aren't like that. All women aren't like that. I have to encourage her to invest in other ladies. You know what? We've been, we've been she's been following the Lord for eight years. And in eight years, over the last two years, she's finally got to where you're right. I've been encouraging her for eight years. And finally, she's like, you know what? You're right. And she's letting that guard down and she's starting to invest in other people and, and those things. But that only happens when I, as the husband, when you, as the husband, are intentionally showing them their worth, showing them they can do it and encouraging them to do it. Amen? Just got real in here, didn't it? So we're getting off the men now. All right, ladies. How, how do you deal with a husband that's passive? How do you deal with a husband that, 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 that seems like your whole relationship is just called upon passivity? You have to make every decision. You're frustrated. You want them to lead the family in God's word, but yet he doesn't seem interested. How, do, how do you do that? How do you do that? I want you to understand something. If you're married to a man that, who is not a natural leader inside, let me give you some great advice. Don't be contentious. Don't Constantly criticize him. He knows he can, he's not leading. Don't, don't constantly give him those things. Because all that does is it makes him shrink back into that hole. It, 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 you got to remember that you're his helper. you got to help lead him out of that. You need to give him compassion and help lead him out of that. The Bible says in Proverbs one nine. it says, Better to live on the rooftop than to share a house with a contentious wife. That was the wrong spot. Amen. But that's the thing. It's like when, when you're constantly getting shot, when somebody's constantly telling you that you're not good enough, you're not good enough, constantly criticizing everything you do, eventually you're just going to quit and you're going to give up. And that's where a lot of men are. They've just quit and they've given up because they don't feel like they can ever come up to the expectations that are set for them at home. And So you need to encourage your spouse. You need to encourage your husband. You need to encourage him to be a good man. Tell him the things that he does good at home. Tell him the things that, that you appreciate about him. Man, that goes a long way. Whether men want to admit it or not, they are sensitive. And they want to know that they're appreciated. At least, at least just me. One sensitive man could have gave me an amen right there and not leave me hanging. But that's all right. The next thing is you need to Pray. Pray pray to God that God will raise him up. If if you have a tendency, ladies, of taking care of everything, back up a little bit. Back up a little bit. Pray, and you back up. Give him room. Because some men aren't going to step into that role until there's a need, until there's room. You need to back up a little bit and let him fall into that. And pray that God will show him where you backed up. Do that. Back up so he can step forward. And I know this is really hard for some of us. I know it is. But, but a surrendered spirit is something that we have to have toward the Lord, right? We've got to surrender our thanks to the Lord and trust that if I back up, he's going to motivate my husband to step into his God-given role. Amen? We've got to trust that God's going to do those things. How about this one? Let him know that you admire him. Let you know that, that when he handles things that protects you and your family, that, like, that's amazing, that's awesome. A little love never goes, never, never, never hurts at all. Tell him, tell him how thankful you are for the decisions he's made on your behalf, on the family. Celebrate. Celebrating things is a big deal. When my wife comes and makes it an, just, just, we're sitting at dinner table and she's like, "Baby, when this happened and this, and you handled it this way, man, that was amazing. Thank you." And I, I probably most of the time I'm maybe a jerk, but I'm like, "That's what I'm supposed to do, baby." But inside, I'm like, I'm like that little girl that looks at that teddy bear. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it means a lot. But, we, it, but it don't, I won't get that unless she gives it. Celebration is a big thing. Because if she tells me thank you, and, I, and guess what? I'm going to be motivated to do it again. But if she doesn't say anything, then it shows that it never really mattered anything anyway. It's a big deal. Maybe, maybe you guys can start, um, you know, tell your husband to start, let me back that up a little bit. Yeah, wrong word. <laughs> maybe when there's an issue going on that you hold up and when you thought he should have handled something, instead of going in guns a blazing with your emotions, Maybe you back up until your emotions kind of die down a little bit and then address the issue. Because here's one thing men don't understand. Women's emotions. Amen? Lord, women's emotions. We've got to back up, and, and, and maybe you can come and, and, and really in a non-emotional way communicate to him how he can lead your family. How, how you desire him to lead your family. Maybe that can happen. Maybe two of you can sit down and share how that can look. Maybe you guys can sit down together and structure out a plan of how y'all are going to lead your family together. Both kids, both of you kind of just planning it out. Look, this is what I'm going to do. This is what you're going to do. This is our plan. Man, that kills passivity, right? Because it's an action plan. Y'all with me? I know I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through this. I'm not jumping on my head like I normally am. I'm trying to teach through this. Y'all just bear with me, okay? Show me a little grace. That's the next one. Show grace. I know it's unnatural for some of us to show grace. It's unnatural for for a dominant partner to show grace. But just as as unnatural is it for you to back up, it's unnatural for your spouse to step forward. So we got to show grace in those areas. Y'all with me? Because why should we show grace? Because Christ gave us grace, so we should show grace to others. Amen? And the last thing is, is just really realizing that we as a church in general, we as people in general, we have to be in the routine of killing passivity in our walk with Christ. Because if we're not killing passivity in our walk with our spouses that we can see, how are we going to kill passivity with God? And so that whole thing of passivity is killing the church today. Back back up in Genesis, Adam, when his wife was being spiritually attacked, he was right there, but he just didn't say anything. Inaction. Not stepping forward. Not doing things. Church, I'm telling you that humanity, since that moment, has been silent just like Adam has been. There's times when we as humans have been silent when we should have spoken up. There's always times in which Rather being a strong parent that leads our kid towards Christ, we just stand there. Instead of pursuing our spouses and attempting to fix our problems, we just stand there. Y'all with me? And we're deceived. like We're focused on, 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 on the wrong things instead of focusing on the things that matter. We think that these small things matter more than anything. We're focusing on hobbies and and football games, and all these things that that shouldn't matter while our family is just falling to the wayside. We're lazy and passive in areas that should mean the most to us and in areas that don't matter 10,000 years from now is what we focus our attention on. And those things would change if we would change our perspective, church. Instead Instead of pursuing God every day, come on, we just stand there. How about we just lay there in the bed instead of get up? And instead, of, instead of being mission-minded for Jesus, instead of being on mission for Jesus every day, instead of sharing God's good news with people, we just stand there. When there's people that are broken in our community, when there's people broken that we live with, there's people broken that, that we work with every day. Instead of opening our mouth and showing them the good news, expressing the goodness of Christ, giving giving them peace, praying over them, instead of doing those things, being active, we just stand there. We're passive. Instead of being disciple makers that God's called us to be, instead of being entrenched in leading people to a closer relationship with Christ, we just stand there and say we don't have time. Church, I'm telling you, where does passivity reign in your life? Because passivity is killing God's church. Passivity is killing marriages designed by God. So where does passivity reign in your life? Does it reign in your home? Does it reign in your finances? Does it reign at work? Does it reign with your relationship with your spouse? Where does passivity reign in your life? question is, are you going to do nothing or are you going to do something? Or are you going to say, man, that was a good word and go home and do the same thing you've always done? Or are you going to make changes today? Are you going to make changes today? See, authentic men and women of God, they reject passivity. They refuse to stay in the shadow of Adam. Amen? And I refuse to stay in that shadow. God created me as a being of light. I don't—I don't, I can't sit in the shadow. Right? And we got to reject that. We know if you sit here today, you know, without me even preaching, you know what you're passive in. You know areas you need to do. You know when you need to get up. You know when you need to get engaged. But yet you just choose to sit back because of what you've always done. And today is the day in which you need to act. Today is the day in which you say, you know what, I'm going. Me and my wife's going to go home. We're going to make a vision for our family. You might be a single parent today. You might need to say, you know what, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make a plan for my family. I'm going to also sit home and I'm going to make a plan for the type of man that I need to let in my home to be with my kids. Or if you're a man and you're a single parent, you do the same thing. If you don't have a plan, you will be passive. You will take a back seat every time. But being authentic men and women who follow God, true men and women that follow God, they choose to fight what matters the most. You got to choose to fight against that passivity. You got to choose to fight against those things that are drawing you away from the goodness of God. And we've got to be those men and women, church. We got to find our strength in Jesus. Gotta understand that the the way God made relationships was to give us power, not to defeat us. He says that He created man and woman, He created relationships. We should love our spouse like Christ loved the church. That's sacrificial. That's amazing love. It should empower us to be a vessel and it can change the world around us when we're submitted to Christ. But we're not submitted totally to Christ. We're living in this thing that was made by Christ, but we're driving it ourselves. And we're just like playing bumper cars. Guys, I'm telling you. Jesus was a man of action. If we're a Christian, we're a follower of Christ. Amen? In 1 John, it says that people will know that we are a follower of Christ if we live as Jesus lived. He was an example for us to live by. And so as we follow Jesus' example, we've got to make sure that we walk in his example. Jesus was a man of action. He did not sit back. When he heard God speak, he went. When he saw someone hurting, He went. When he heard people that they were, they were bothered, he went. He was a man of action. Jesus was a man of prayer. When there was, when, man, there, was when there was drama going on, there was all kind of issues fixing to hit him, he was a man that got on his knees before God, and he didn't say this five minutes a little prayer. No, he cried his heart out to God because he knew that only his father could rescue him. Church, that's the type of people we've got to be to kill passivity, and we have to be those same people. We have to be a man and women, men and women of action, men and women that pursue Jesus above all, and men and women that hold his idea of marriage above our own ideas. And if you could learn to kill passivity in your relationships, you're, you would kill it in your walk with God. So many people are so lazy with their walk with God, so lazy because they're not motivated by it. We've got to change our motives and say, God, change my heart. As I wrote this message, men, we've got to raise up and lead. Women, you need to encourage your husband to lead. Because when the man and the woman fail to live a life following Jesus, the family is destroyed children won't know what it means to live in a God-centered home if mama and daddy ain't God-centered. They only know what they see. So let's make a commitment today that we're going to kill passivity. Amen? We're going to pull out the sword of the spirit this morning, and we're going to slay it. But you got to start on your knees before the Father. So I'm going to open up the altars. And if you realize that, you, that, that, that you're passive and you just maybe you came here this morning, you are lost. You don't know if you even know Jesus. Come find me. I would love to pray with you and lead you to your next step. But if your relationship is in trouble because of passivity, if, 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 you're, if you know that you're not a man that just naturally leading, then maybe you need to come and say, God, give me that power, give me that desire. If you're a wife here today that you're, you find yourself always complaining about how sorry your husband is, then you need to come and confess those things to God go home and make a plan. we God's people, right? Amen? That means we have no choice than to change our perspective this morning from what we think to what he thinks. Amen? Let's do that. The altar's are open. Father, we come to you right now. And God, we confess and know that you are Lord. And God, you wrote this book. You gave us all these books in this Bible. To point us to you and to point us to knowing that there is a greater life to live. That Jesus, you gave us life to have it more abundantly. And so many of us are struggling through life because we're living it the way we want to instead of the way you've made it. So to God, I pray today that you would help us relinquish the laziness, relinquish the procrastination, relinquish the, 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 the not being assertive, God. I pray today, God, you would make us men and women of action, men and women that know that, that God, that, that we were created. For greatness. We were created to do things in amazing ways. God, help us love our spouses the way you call us to love them. God, reveal sin. Reveal ways to us husbands that we hadn't loved our spouses correctly. We hadn't led our spouses correctly. I pray that you would go to show wives today in which they haven't been the supportive they should have been. God, lead us. Help us be the unit in which you called us to be. God, we ask you, we beg you to Change our hearts, change our minds, change our motives so that everything we do is centered on you and we're pursuing you, God. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name.